Hello and welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I'm Ashley. I'm Matt. I'm Aaron. And this is another special episode. This is one of our 31 days of Halloween, where each day in October we are going to discuss a film in the horror, thriller, mystery genre. And today's movie is Nightmare on Elm Street 3. And Matt is going to tell us about it. Yeah, Dream Warriors, as it's known. Yes. It came out in 1987. Uh, it, uh, it stars Patricia Arquette, who plays a, a girl named Kristen, teenager character named Kristen, who was being haunted in her dreams by Freddy Krueger, who was the villain of all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Uh, he, if you don't know the character, he was a child murderer, and then a group of people back in the day um, <coughs> cornered him and killed him. They, they set him on fire. And, uh, but then he's now come back a generation later as a spirit, and he haunts the um, children of the people who murdered him, uh, that he haunts those children in his dream, in their dreams. And so now he is haunting uh, Kristen, who's played by Richard Arquette, who's sort of the star of this particular movie. Uh, her mom um, sends her to a hospital to be treated because they think basically she's got some sort of mental illness. Um, and she's uh, placed in a ward with other people her age who are in there because... They think that they're like trying to commit suicide, and that's what Freddy does, though. Freddy gets in your dreams, and he kills you in your dreams, and then he kind of makes it look like suicide. Um, so she meets other people who are victims of Freddy, and uh, there's a doctor that is sympathetic to their plight, and uh, then that doctor is named uh, Nancy Thompson, who is the heroine for the original Nightmare on Elm Street, um, and that's played by Heather Langenkamp. She's back. And it's a really long overview of it, but it's actually a very simple movie, but I feel like there's a lot to like set, it up. set the table for. But yeah, Aaron, what'd you think? This, this movie is so flawed in so many ways, but it's, it, it's, it's not a bad movie. I'm a big fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, um, and I watched these movies frequently when I was a kid, and this one has always been my favorite. Um, the, the Dream Warriors is... It, it, it has been has always been my favorite of all of them. I thought the ki- the kills were you know the most clever. Um, I thought the storyline was that uh, was was the most interesting. Um, I liked really liked the notion of these kids are in their dreams and then they have you know they're they're sort of granted the powers that you know that they they always wish that they had. The one guy's super strong and one girl's super pretty and I, I, that that appealed to me when I, when I was a kid. I did watch this movie again. Uh, a few days ago in preparation for this and I hadn't watched it in years and I don't think it holds up as well as it could have but that warrants the conversation of the things that I'm now in 2019 holding against the movie I don't think are really fair things to hold against a movie that was you know made in the mid 80s Mm. the special effects are terrible (laughs) <laughs> there's there's some pretty god-awful special effects in this movie. There's some plot holes that don't make any sense. For example, if all of these patients, if their parents were all involved in the death of Freddy Krueger, why don't they all know each other already? That's never made any sense to me. <laughs> they were all grew up on Elm Street, essentially, right? Right. And it's strange as well, because I think a lot of the, in particular from the teenagers, I think a lot of the performances are really good. Except for Heather Langenkamp. Mm-hmm. She's really bad. She's not a good actress. and She's terrible in this role. <laughs> um, but, I, but I think the movie, the movie holds up pretty well. 
there's there's still some great scares in it. Um, this one kind of marks the transition between Nightmare on Elm Street being you know serious horror films and then them becoming you know Freddy becoming a quippish cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where that transition starts. You know, with his one-liners every time someone dies. Um, but there's some genuinely great horror film moments in in this movie. Um, I'm still I'm still a fan of it. Yeah, I hadn't seen this movie until today when we watched it in preparation for this podcast. And I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I, I kind of felt like the, the sequels to Nightmare on Elm Street have a bad reputation. I always thought they did, but I kind of like this one quite a bit. Um, you're right, there are some really clever dream sequences, some really... Um, really good nightmare set pieces that I thought worked really well. And I actually kind of liked the special effects. There, there was one, there's one scene at the end with the skeleton that I thought looked really cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, I kind of, I kind of really liked it. Um, and there's some, there's some really good actors, um, not to repeat what you just said, but Patricia Arquette is really good. Um, this has Lawrence Fishburne in it, which yeah. I wasn't expecting. And Craig Boisson yeah. is the main psychiatrist. Yeah, he's really good. But you're right, um, What's her name? Heather Langenkamp is really, really poor. And, and maybe, maybe it just stands out more against these other really good actors, but yeah, it was, it was very noticeable. She doesn't even seem to be in the same movie. Right. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, it's a decent story. I liked the, the setting in this mental hospital. Um, I, I, I thoroughly had a good time. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Um, I used to watch this one a lot uh, back in the day with my friend Derek. Uh, we watched it, I think we, I don't know, it, whenever it came on HBO, and then maybe we, we taped it off HBO and watched it at our leisure. But um, it's inventive, um, and I may be giving it too much praise there, but you know, you've already got this concept where um, this villain comes into you in your dreams, and whatever happens to you in your dreams is what happens in reality. Uh, and th- that's the whole premise of the whole Nightmare on Elm Street series. And then with this installment, the the victims of Freddy, or the people that he's stalking, um, they band together and they get into the same dream mm-hmm. to try and fight him. And I think I just remember thinking, oh, this is neat, yeah. you know. And you don't, you didn't get that really in like Friday the Thirteenth. You didn't get it in the Halloween series where a whole group of people came together to try their best at, you know, right. um, doing the person in. Um, <clears throat> watching it again after 30 years or whatever, I was, rem- I, was, I was actually pleased with the fact that, you know, I didn't feel like Freddy was overused. And I think... That kind of refers to what you were talking about, Aaron. This, this is, and I, I haven't rewatched the original, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and then recently enough to to tell when this all started to change. Mm-hmm. I do remember thinking, though, my, my memory of Nightmare on Elm Street movies is that a little Freddy goes a long way. Yeah, <laughs> and this one, he, I don't think he's overused. No. He's used just enough. Yeah. Um, and he does have some funny one-liners, you know. It's a dark sense of humor, right? Yeah. But, I mean, they're funny one-liners. Um, and, yeah, and kind of like Ashley said, and the acting's all good. And I remember thinking now and then that the that some of the characters, the teenagers that were at the hospital, are, are very sympathetic, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you feel for them. The special effects are cheesy. But, you know, I, I kind of thought that they were cheesy, particularly the skeleton. I mean, my friend Derek and I laughed at that 
you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is not really good. Um, but some of the other effects I felt, um, there's a marionette scene, I'll, put, I'll call it that. And um, that one, I think, that one still looks fairly that, good. That looks, what, what doesn't look so good is the sequence before it where they show the marionette on the wall turn into Freddy and he drops to the floor. And he's clearly, he looks like Clash Correct. of the Titans, like, like Ray yeah. Harryhausen. Uh, and then the, the, there's a scene where there's a, one of the people in the hospital is like a, a drug addict, right? Mm-hmm. And Freddy's coming after her and you see... You know, and this I thought this this bordered on bad taste, uh-huh. but you know he's got her cornered, and there's on her arms, her forearms, there's little track marks, track marks, but the they're hair. they're like alive, and they're almost like lips, and mm-hmm. the, and and that looks really bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, that being said, you know the movie had a really small budget, um, comparatively. Yeah. You know, and it, it, I think they did what they could. I found it still. Um, and some of it's kind of gross, some of the mm-hmm. some of the, the deaths and stuff. But that aside, it's actually um, was nice to revisit it in a quaint '80s horror mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think with you last last year when we did the series, we talked about movies like um, Prom Night or Hell Night. Uh, we did Hell House. Hell, Hell House. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and that again, that's a quaint '80s horror movie. Right. And you know. There's, some, there's something kind of... It sounds really bizarre to say this, but there's something kind of comforting about, about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, no. I, I understand what you mean by that, though. Yeah. yeah. And it's weird. And I don't know... I don't think this about every era for horror, but, like, 80s horror and, like, 50s horror... Yeah. ...are oddly cheesy and comforting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you guys have? I wanted to praise the creepy score by Angelo Badalamenti. Oh yes, Angelo Badalamenti. This he, who is a who is a master. Yes. Uh, he's one of my favorite composers, Mine and too. this is one of his <laughs> best. Yeah, it's, really it's super 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 creepy. Yeah. I know, you know maybe I'm I don't really find the Nightmare on Elm Street movies to be particularly scary. I, I've seen the first one and I've seen this one, and to me it's they're so fantastical. Mm-hmm. And so kind of not grounded in reality that to me, they don't really scare me so much as it's kind of thrill me a little. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, and I think I like that. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> All right. So what do you give this then? A 10, I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. Uh, Aaron? I would give it a seven as well. I'm giving it a um, 7.6. Um, so our score is a 7.2. And it is on the tomato meter. Uh, <laughs> 35 critic scores are in. They gave it a 74% fresh. <laughs> I'm a little shocked. But... Nice. Uh, yeah. Shocked by the score that there's that many reviews. <laughs> shocked by the score. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that horror movies, particularly horror movies in the past, because I feel like now horror is trying to become a little bit more mm-hmm. mainstream, a little bit more, you know, classy, mm-hmm. you know, like with things like Hereditary and The yeah. Witch and whatever. Yeah. Um, those are like critical darlings, mm-hmm. but we got to remember in the '80s and stuff. You know, horror was not looked upon. Um, it was looked upon basically as trash right. by a lot of critics. And oh, stuff. Yeah. Um, and I've always <laughs> kind of disagreed with that. You know, and as, as someone who grew up with this era, you know, right. the '80s era of horror, that you don't judge it against Gone with the Wind or Citizen Kane. Right. <laughs> you know, you judge it as in the genre that it's in, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, and how well does it do what it sets out to do, right? Right. Um, I mean, I could even probably give it a higher score than 7.6. But, you know, 
I think, but critics, I don't think have always necessarily, I feel like anyway, they haven't taken that into account. But maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Well, I, I mean, I think this movie, as far as this series is concerned, Nightmare on Elm Street, I feel like Dream Warriors is pretty universally regarded as probably the best Mm -hmm. of the series. I mean, I know other fans of the franchise that will say that's the best one, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it, it surprises me though that, that 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 the score is that high. I mean, it just because I mean, you're right, the, and 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 let's let's not mince words about it. A lot of the movies, the horror films in particular of that era, are terrible. They're they're just they're not mm-hmm. good. But that's also what makes them fun, and what makes you know, on a, in particular for guys our age, on a nostalgia level, what yeah. makes them so much fun. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. And I was trying to when I was rewatching it, I was trying to think like so. Why did I like these, or why did I find this? <laughs> why did I think they were fun? I mean, I was still enjoying it, yeah. but, I, but I was asking myself, so why? Yeah. But that's a whole another. That's a whole another rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, there's a, sorry, I know we're probably we're wrapping up here, but I loved <laughs> that Dick Cavett and Jean Gabor are in this movie. It's you know it's a little cameo. What's always mm-hmm. bothered me that cameo yeah. reminded me one thing that's always bothered me about this movie is that the girl got her head shoved through a television that's hanging twenty feet off the floor and they think it was a suicide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did she get up there? <laughs> I, I do think that starts to change the mind of one of the doctors at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just treating them. Uh, that scene though. Now I'm embarrassed to say this because it doesn't really make sense, but just understand that I mean I was. Well, I was too young to really be watching this movie, but <laughs> I didn't trust Dick Cavett after that scene for a while. Or Josh Gabor? No, Josh was fine because Dick Cavett is the one that turns into Freddy. Oh, that's in true. The, in, that's in, true. That, in that cameo, yeah. uh, you know, it's just like a regular chop, chat show he's having, yeah. and then he turns into Freddy, and he's mean, and he, yeah. and, and and I mean, um, I wasn't terribly familiar with Dick Cavett after that. I mean, I'd seen him around on on, on stuff, and every and every time he popped up for a while after that, I'm like, that dude. That dude's gonna turn into Freddy Krueger. Watch out, Forrest! <laughs> Watch out, Forrest Gump! He's gonna turn into Freddy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. Thanks a lot. Thank you. <clears throat>